This is the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast. This podcast provides tips, tools, and inspiring stories for creating clarity around your calling, opening your heart to infinite possibilities, and enabling you to have the greatest impact on the world. I'm Julian Crossenhill, a certified spiritual life coach, meditation teacher, human design specialist, and founder of Pre-Survenana. And most recently, I've joined the faculty at Starseed Academy Coach Training. It's my mission to teach and guide others in living a spiritually aligned life that answers their unique calling. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Hi, on today's episode, I'm welcoming Michael Note. Michael Note is the executive director and founder of Have a Gay Day in Dayton, Ohio. Have a Gay Day is a service organization focusing primarily on LGBTQ um, issues, but they have taken this, Michael has made it a goal to fill the voids of service where he can and to maneuver in such a way to make a difference as it's needed. And so Have a Gay Day has really like stepped into the gap in the area that they are in with a food pantry, a pet food pantry. They offer seasonal items like space heaters and things, just anywhere that they see a need, they've sort of stepped into that need. So um, excited to be talking to Michael. And you may remember on my episode where I talked about people who seem to create miracles by being in alignment with their calling, I mentioned Michael and Have a Gay Day. So today you're gonna get to to hear it directly from Michael, how that happens. So Michael, welcome to the show. Um, I did not know I was mentioned in another show. I feel like I need to go back and listen to that, (laughs) which I probably will. Um, It is an honor to be here, pleasure um, to be with you this morning. Um, Wow, I don't even know what to say. That was a lot of of info about me, I guess. So um, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, I know Have a Gay Day has been around about 10 years, and you've got kind of an interesting origin story. So tell me a little bit about how you started this. So Have a Gay Day was a little bit of a play on words in the beginning. And initially it was started because there was a young gentleman in Buffalo, New York, named Jamie Rodemeyer, which took his life. And he was 14 years old, 15, he was very young. And... uh, we started a memorial page for him, and we went to Buffalo, and we did an out-of-the-darkness walk, and we raised $17,000 for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and uh, it was a horrible tragedy. Um, spent some time with the family, and at the same time, anti-bullying was a huge conversation, and still is, but we would go to different schools and have talks. Um, There was no organization at the time. It was just people trying to make a difference and fill in those voids of being there for people that needed us. And what we decided was, or what we thought about, um, I guess me specifically, was there were so many places that were trying to get money, um, get shares, get likes off of tragedy in the community. And what we thought was, why not just create this fun, happy place that people could escape to, a place of... Um, just I guess an escape in the middle of the night um, we had like little rainbow takeovers and just randomly posted rainbows and um, it was never really a thought that we would become a nonprofit organization or a charity or anything like that it was just a place to kind of get away I would say not just for the community but for myself as well um, 
going through different things in life. It was just an escape. Um, over the years, though, that sort of changed, and uh, there was a billboard campaign, like in 2014, 2015, and people wanted to donate money, and uh, we said, well, um, we'd like some more transparency, and we want to make sure that um, as an organization, uh, well, we become an organization. So we filed the paperwork and became a nonprofit organization. Um, but over the years, um, we've done a lot in the community. Um, there's been a lot that we've done that we haven't really talked about. And filling in those voids of service, even to, like, to what we're doing now, there's a lot that, you know, people would send us a note where they were ready to go. And we would send support or help to those people. Um, there was people that were trying to escape countries and we facilitated the way for them to escape countries. There were people that were trying to um, get married. Uh, even here in Ohio at the time, it was not legal to be married. And so we would drive couples over to Indiana to be married. Um, there was someone that got kicked out of their house on the uh, day that they graduated high school and were able to find someone to take them in. And uh, I don't know, we've, we've done a lot, um, but as far as how we've started and grown it's been step after step it hasn't been you know we haven't just walked into a 20,000 square foot space and everyone gets jobs and everyone is uh, just you know um, all together it's been um, step misstep step misstep and just trying to understand how that building and growth goes to uh, fill in the needs of the community yeah, nice. So a couple things I, I pulled out of there I want to sort of highlight, you know, a, a lot of the things I tell my clients is when you see something in the world that just isn't sitting right with you, you have two options. You can you can complain about it, you know, you can bitch about it, or you can like step into your calling and say, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to change this. I'm going to be a catalyst for change in the world. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened here, which is really, really pretty exciting. So you also mentioned that sort of organic growth and, you know, getting into a bigger place where everyone has jobs. And I know you're not working full time. You're also juggling other responsibilities. So how do you juggle all of that? Is it <laughs> I feel like I'm called out in that. Um, so I do work full-time, but not for the organization. I have a full-time job. Um, I have have a gay day, and then I also take care of my parents. So um, how do I juggle? That is a great question. I would say through amazing volunteers, uh, people that support um, my day-to-day, -day, um, a little bit of mental health as far as just trying to find some moments to relax and passing out watching some sort of random YouTube video. Um, I don't watch television. Um, I probably should to keep up on things, but at the same time, every time I turn on the news, it's just something horrible. Um, I do try to still get the news, but um, I don't really, I don't know, I don't really do a lot for myself. I do a lot more for the community because I find that more fulfilling. Um, when it comes to, you know, even the path or the progress, I would say that low points or high points and service to the community. Uh, back in the day when I was a caregiver for my grandmother, so she never had to go to a um, like a retirement home or anything like that, or a nursing home. Um, after that, it was, I made the decision to live. Um, that was the first step, because back in the day, um, I was ready to be done. 
And in being done, I made the decision to step off my ladder, as it would be, and kind of give my life over to humanity. Um, it, it's a weird conversation sometimes just to understand where you've come from to where you're going. Um, I was raised in a Christian community in Georgia. Um, most people would call it a cult. It is classified as a cult. Um, it was like an Azusa Street kind of a thing. I was a street missionary for a while, too. I used to hold signs up on the sides of the road and have police stop to check to make sure I was a decent human being. Um, I was kicked out of a church um, because I was homeless at the time, and they saw a little bit of glitter on me. And that was the uh, inset of that. Um, so it's, I don't know, I've had a weird path. But I think the weird path that I've had and the struggles of day-to-day, -day, being homeless, um, going through the court system at um, a point, um, has really made me more compassionate for humanity. And also gives you a different perspective of how things are and how things work and um, quality of life. I always say to people, and it's the biggest thing that I ever have thought, and it's probably the deepest thought as well, is that in humanity, we're the only thing that pays to be here. And in the thought of what it takes to live here, as far as Earth, um, we set as humans the price on everything. When it comes to healthcare, when it comes to the quality of food, when it comes to the quality of life. And if you really think about it, everyone that's suffering in this world, no matter how you look at it, mankind has put those stipulations, regulations, on how other people live. So someone that has everything or someone that has nothing, who does that? Is it the money? Is it the laws? Is it what's available? So I really, I don't know, it's a deep thought. Um, but as you can tell, I talk about this and I talk a little bit about that. Um, but it's just because when you go through so many different moments and your mind goes in so many different ways of understanding with people and with life, there's just so much to talk about and so little time to do it. And the thing is, people seem to avoid a lot of the deeper conversations. And for me to be able to have conversations that are deep is everything. Because there's so many people that don't get that voice. And even in doing this work, even when it comes to, let's say, faith-based organizations, there are so many people that are accepting, but there are so many people that will never walk into your space just because they think whatever they think, because sometimes I just I sit and go, I don't know what they're exactly thinking, um, but I'm just trying to help people. And it's always interesting, I remember walking down to a church that's close to here, and we introduced ourselves. They've never visited us, even though we're within walking distance of them. But some of the people that go to the church come down to us for food. But as a church, there's no partnership because we're apparently these unruly heathens. Um, but I think also in life, there's grace. I feel like I have more grace than I should, but also at the same element, enough grace to make it work. Because there's so many different situations that you never expect. And it always, it just, it boggles my mind sometimes with, let's say a church. Church sometimes, where it's this beautiful, amazing building sitting in the middle of houses that are falling apart. And sometimes I feel like the deeper 
thought to humanity is a little bit more of an equal playing field, an equal living field. But it doesn't really happen as much as it should. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm a huge believer in karma. I am a believer in like the universal good, kind of putting out the good into the universe. And for a lot of the people that we take care of, they are very faith-based. And they'll say, God bless you. Or, you know, mention something with God, you know, praise to God. And I have no problem with saying that back as far as, you know, the acceptance or the adoration or the um, mention of God. But at the same time for me, I quietly go, I appreciate that you're giving credit to God. But for me, I sort of give it back into the universe because the universe, I feel, is in some way as great as an answer. Because some people that are operating in God don't recognize that there's people that are operating outside of the scope of faith, but also moving in the same sort of grace of faith. Mm, That's a really deep, deep thought. Yeah, there's a lot there that that you kind of touched on that um, kind of I was talking about in the um, episode on miracles and people who just seem to be able to make things happen. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned was I avoid the news because it's always bad news. So it's like, you know, you're really keeping on this like high vibe. It feels like you're you're really working to surround yourself with joy, even though you're dealing in a service area where you see a lot of suffering, but you uh, approach it from sort of a position of joy and of grace. Um, and I love what you said about universal good, you know, um, how you sort of tap into that idea of universal good and karma and that it all comes back. So, um, yeah, that's really, really powerful. No wonder you're able to, to accomplish so much. So, um, I know you guys are doing some billboards down in Texas because of some of the anti-trans laws that have passed down there. So tell, tell the listeners a little bit about your, your billboard campaign. Cause it's kind of exciting. So our billboard campaign, we actually put up our first billboards in 2015 or so. And the billboards that we put up were just positive, affirming messages to the community. Uh, We invited other organizations to send us graphics, and we would put them up there in digital places, so like digital billboards. But Texas wasn't the main focus of where we were putting up our billboards. We initially put them up 23 locations, 15, 16 states, and on the Transgender Day of Visibility, which was the 31st of March, we put them up in 205 locations. The visibility is huge, but the real, I don't know, it's kind of sad, the fact that you have to feel that you have to put up billboards to tell people that they're loved and accepted. But the deep truth is, even within the LGBT community, there are so many people that are not accepting of someone that's standing right next to them because for whatever reason they can't accept them or love them or they try to dissect who they are and try to figure it out for themselves versus just allowing other peoples to exist and thrive. But we were going to different school board meetings and in the school board meetings there was a lot of just hate. There were people that were standing up that were complete strangers to people in the community just filled with hate. And so what we decided to do Um, was just send out messages of love, just saying that um, we're here for you, that we love you, that we support you, and to also allow other people messages to think, you know, someone you know, someone you love, maybe is a part of the community and you're not giving them 
space or grace. Um, maybe, you know, as far as it goes, hate is not holy. It is not something that you're supposed to really do as far as, you know, hate this or love this, but you're supposed to kind of love all. So the billboards are continuing to be um, go up for another month and a half, two months at least. We did have a partnership with PFLAG National. It is the oldest LGBT organization in the United States. We are working on some larger pieces of that. Uh, one piece is that we are working on having billboards in Times Square. So that's a huge component. Also, in supporting the LGBT community, uh, the conversation has been to create billboards that people can submit art to. And if we go ahead with the art that's submitted, we'll give them like a stipend or a little bit of um, financial assistance, which is great for an artist. Um, but as far as the billboards, it's really just messages of love. Because for some people it's like, well, isn't that a waste of money? Isn't that just, you know, why are you spending money on something that someone's just going to see for eight seconds? But for people that are driving to work, the messages that we've received from the community are how much it changes their day. To see that in a place that they live that may not be accepting, may not be kind, that there is at least someone that's there, even if it's kind of in the background, or even if it's on a 20 foot by 40 foot billboard standing in front of you, and you can't escape it as you're driving by and you have to look at it because it's just giant billboard in front of you. To see those messages of love and support make all the difference. And what's the cost of letting someone know that they're not alone? What's the cost of being kind? For sometimes, you know, for sometimes in this world, they say the cost of being kind is free. But sometimes it isn't always free. Sometimes there is a little cost to be kind. But to get into the places and spaces where there's a lot of hate, there's a lot of rejection. A lot of our billboards have been rejected by certain locations saying that it was sexually explicit to say that we love you or that it was divisive or um, a lot of background hate. There was around 60 billboards that have been refused the graphics by the local um, billboard owners. But to get into those spaces is also huge because for people that need to see those messages, it's there. Yeah, definitely. So there's, you know, there's a lot of different approaches to these hateful laws that get passed. And I know um, on Instagram and, and Facebook, um, Coco Peru, who's, you know, a well-known and, and, and longtime um, celebrity drag queen, has really been speaking out about the law in Florida. And I know, you know, growing up and feeling like I was different and didn't fit and not really knowing why, sometimes just the extra kindness from a teacher um, really made all the difference. And so I can understand Coco, you know's point that she's really sort of advocating for we've got to stop this. and she, you know, she's righteously angry about it. and people are telling her she's overreacting. Um, but I, you know, there are sort of two sides to the coin. There's the advocating and, and fighting these kinds of things. And then there's just the, how do you support the people who are trapped in it? You know, and I love that you're, you're doing the one side, but I also love that Coco's, you know, sounding the alarms and, and handling the other side as well. I think that's wonderful. So, um, you guys have, have done a lot, um, you know, done a lot of growth. You've expanded your, your pantry and, and, you know, as we were setting up, you mentioned that you're one of the only food pantries that actually delivers, um, which is a, a huge gap for people who don't have mobility to come get food. 
Um, so how did all of that evolve and where do you see your, you guys going next? So that started by, again, uh, a void of service. There were a lot of people that had no option when it came to going to a pantry that was supportive and loving and kind and affirming. And for us, when it first started, it was just a small room around 100 square feet. And we had someone that donated. Um, they went online, ordered some food, and we went and picked up food. And that was our first pantry order. We had um, some food, nothing uh, nothing amazing, but it was just to sort of fill in those voids. And we actually, our space was, was not accept, uh, accessible back then. And people had to carry the food upstairs and back downstairs. And it was on the second floor of a building. And moving into the location that we're in now, we're getting ready to add 1,200 square feet additional to the uh, pantry space and the number of people that we help. Uh, this last month we did 120 food pantry deliveries anywhere in the county that we're existing, which is Montgomery County in Ohio. Um, we had a total of 644 people that we helped, around 220 families, and we're going through about a ton and a half to two tons of food every week. It's a lot of food. But as far as filling in the void of service for the pantries, how can I explain to you when you're an LGBT individual going into a faith-based pantry and at the same time they're calling you a sinner while giving you food? How can I explain to someone that is in need of food that there's pantries out there that if they walk into them with their spouse, you know, the questions are, are you married? Are you single? Do you have kids? You know, these questions that are potentially personal, but potentially will out someone as well. We had some people that tried to make donations of food to uh, pantries. And once they realized that the person that was making the donation was a part of the LGBT community, they didn't want it. Wow. Um, that came to, it was some formula or um, like, uh, it was like, actually it was insure. Um, there was a gentleman that had gone through um, like some surgeries and um, him and his husband didn't need the um, the insure anymore so they were trying to donate it and it was cases of insure and uh, they had gone to a couple pantries and the pantries wouldn't take it um, for because they were LGBT so they found us but when it comes to food and filling in the voids of service as an organization, we support and help anyone that's in need. There isn't, um, there isn't a stipulation of, uh, you know, you must be LGBT. That is a question that's happened. Um, do you only help LGBT individuals? And we say, no, uh, we don't keep track of who's LGBT or not because for us, even though the undertone of organization calling um, ourselves Have a Gay Day, uh, we are focused on the LGBT community and what we do. But as far as helping all, there's so many people that are invisible to um, being a part of the community. They can't say, I'm gay, I'm bi, I'm, le you know, anything. And so for us to be able to exist and stand in that void is everything. When it comes to a food pantry, we're getting ready to partner with DoorDash. Um, we've partnered with Meyer. People will be able to 
go to Meyer to support us. There's just so many different things that we're able to do with food, the quality of food, that starts a conversation. Because when it comes to the basic necessity of life, food is one of those necessities. And for people that love us or people that hate us, having a place that they can go to on a Sunday when most of the pantries are going to church and are closed, it's again filling in that void. Or the fact that we're open some holidays. If we have volunteers, we'll be open up on you know Thanksgiving or Christmas, days that someone may need food. And for that, again, filling in the service for the community, the void and food. Yeah. It's it- a huge... It's it's like it, you're you're really being ambassadors of the LGBT community because even people they might have a negative impression of the community, but they come and get food, and you know you're sort of chipping away at those barriers um, just by filling a need in the community, which is really amazing. Um, so you've done a lot of things, and so what I'm really interested in is, you know, how do you how do you manifest something new? So you have an idea, you, you see a need in the community, and you're like, we can fill this need. How do you make it happen? So it depends on what the need is. If it's a need that we can maneuver into very quickly, we can do it. A lot of it has to align with our mission. Um, as far as part of the LGBT community, if there's some sort of scope where it meets and is able to exceed the expectation of quality of service or quality of life, um, we can say laundry tokens. Mm -hmm. So laundry tokens is something that we have from time to time. We're normally out pretty quick. Uh, We actually haven't used them in a couple months because there was a fire that happened and the the laundromat was burned down. (laughs) But when we first started the program, it was just an idea Um, that we heard back from the community. So a lot of times we'll ask members of the community, well, what do you need? What are you looking for? And they'll tell us. And one thing that they told us was we'd like laundry tokens and laundry detergent. So the first thing we do is we ask the social media following that we have. And we say, we'd like to do this. Would you support it? And we raised, I think it was $350 in about an hour. And we basically knew that money would be coming in. We took that money from our general fund. We were able to go buy tokens. And we were able to start offering tokens into the community within 24 hours. We basically put $5 of tokens into little golden eggs for Easter last year. And that was the start of it. Wow. So really, it's the listening to the community and to the needs. It's not trying to assume what the community wants or needs or what you want or need for the community, it's really saying, when someone says, we need sheets, we need a burner because we're staying in a hotel. It's really about listening and then maneuvering with the information that you have to find support, to find growth in it, and then making it happen, and then making it a program. Wow, so it sounds like, you know, the way you're sort of manifesting all of these really miraculous things is you're first of all just finding out what what's the need you're connecting the need and then you're sort of embodying that vision of, of fulfilling the need and then going out and really acting as a bridge connecting the people who want to help with the people who have the need which is pretty pretty amazing um yeah um okay so we don't have a much time left so i want to just kind of um ask 
what else would you want listeners to know about the work that you do and about Have a Gay Day? I think the biggest thing that I always tell people that I want is I don't want to be remembered. I don't want Have a Gay Day as an organization to be remembered in the history books as much as I want the work to be remembered. Because there's so many organizations that are trying to be seen. And it does work. It does help as far as the growth, the financial ends, the donors, etc. But for us as an organization, we've always just tried to do the work and maneuver as quietly as we can because sometimes being the organization that's able to maneuver helps us to do things so much faster, especially when it comes to showing up. A lot of organizations, you have to go through a lot of different uh, steps to be able to get the work done. We have put together, even like in our bylaws, um, the ability to have certain spend limits on different things as long as it's aligned within the missions. So we're able to kind of make things happen quickly. But when it comes to having a day, when it comes to um, the organization, I think the biggest thing to really remember is how fast we've like moved and grown. As an organization that's about six years old, starting in 150 square feet of space, going to 1,000 square feet, 2,200 square feet, now 3,400 square feet, the growth is real. I know that we plan to duplicate our services as far as our locations. I know there's people that want to start chapters of Havoc Day. Uh, that's something we're working on as far as the growth. But as far as the sector of where we're going, uh, we want to have emergency housing, build monolithic dome homes, have medical services and like health services that are free or low cost to the community, doing things like building our own laundromat, doing things like having a mobile community center, which goes into the community and a mobile response uh, emergency unit. The growth of the organization is everything, but the work that we're going to do will change the whole scope of what is thought about what the community can do and can achieve. So the name Have a Gay Day, some people are like, that doesn't sound very inclusive. But it was sort of like a play on words, have a happy day, have a gay day. It was sort of uh, reclaiming a little bit. But as far as inclusivity, there's so much conversation when it even comes to that. Like within our organization, one of the largest components is the Indian community, then the black community, and then the white community. And then there's so much diversity that even happens here because that's so reflective on the community. But even to have things and services that are in other languages, to make things accessible, to really think about every component of the community that's underrepresented and making sure that the representation of the community is very visible, but also the work that is done is very accessible. Yeah, that's a really big and wonderful vision. I, I love all of the things that, that you hit there. That's amazing. So final question. Um, a lot of my clients, when they're sort of stepping into answering their spiritual calling and showing up to, to do the work and make their change in the world, um, they experience blocks, you know, fears, things that get in their way that make it difficult for them, that, that keep them from really embodying that. And so in your process of stepping into this role that you're in and, and, and anchoring the vision for this, this organization that's, that's fulfilling so many needs in the community, what has been the biggest block that has come up for you? I think the biggest block is others people, other people's perception 
of what is and isn't possible. Mm. We were told when we moved into this location that we shouldn't move here because it was dangerous, because this was not a good community, because there was crime, because there was everything. But actually, this was the best place for us. The tornadoes went through here a couple years ago. The community has been some of the most accepting, kindest that you can possibly imagine. I think the biggest thing is when people say, don't go there or you can't do that, is that you can go there and you can do that because there's a need. I've never been into a place in this entire world that there's not a need, no matter what that need is. I could set up in the middle of the richest city or the poorest city as far as per capita because there's poor people living in places that are supposed to be only for the wealthy and there's wealthy people living in places that are only supposed to be for the poor. I think the misconception that there's blockage is really a mindset as far as what we listen to when it comes to other people. Will there be moments that are difficult? Yes. Will there be, will there be moments that you question your even existence to help out in some sort of way? Yes. But at the end of the day, to understand that you make a difference, even if it's giving someone spare change, even if it's being that change, that's everything. When people tell you that you can't, you can. It's really about, I always think of the mindset of a movie I saw called Pollyanna, the glad game. I always refer to it. Because in all the situations, when it comes to a tire that you, um, you know, you get a flat on the side of the road, you can look at it and find every horrible reason why you can't exist because of that tire. But you could always find gladness in the fact that you didn't flip the car, you didn't cause an accident, you didn't X, Y, and Z to the end. But you can do that with humanity too. The thing is, people are always looking for the negativity and never the positivity when it comes to the fact that every human life has value. Every life has value. And if you find that, even in where you are and where you exist, to understand that you have value and just that you're there filling in those voids. Yeah. Kind of healing the, healing the, I guess you could say, the spiritual parts, the humanity parts, by just offering that assistance. Not trying to take away from anything, anything greater or anything smaller, but that you're just there. And sometimes just being there is everything. Yeah. Those are some really powerful words. I'm just not even going to try to summarize those. I'm going to let them stand alone because, yes, the the biggest block is thinking that something is impossible. So, all right. So um, people who want to learn more about Have a Gay Day, how do they find you? So we're on social media. Uh, we are on Facebook heavily, even though a lot of people are like, why Facebook? But we have, I think, um, about 1.35 million people wow. on Facebook. We reach about 10 to 20 million people a month through our random posts of things. But on Facebook, it is just search Have a Gay Day. Um, Twitter, Instagram, our website is haveagayday.org. Uh, I would say the biggest way that someone could support us is kind of just follow along, see what we're doing. We ask the community as far as how we do our fundraising, and every month we do a fundraiser. There's a lot of people that do birthday fundraisers for us. That's very helpful. I will also say like on Amazon Smile, 
you can find us there humble bundle which is like a gaming platform some of the other things that are coming like a partnership with Meyer. we have a like in the huber heights location specifically um in ohio you can purchase gift cards on june 18th they'll be tripling the give um so that's a huge thing for our pantry it's only uh, able to be spent on food i know that we have an amazon wish list there's a little bit of everything workplace giving um i know that we're getting ready to hire our first person this year that's gonna be huge for us we're working on developing our emergency housing a bit more we're working on a project called community pride where people clean up the community with like a five gallon bucket they come in and we give them a gas card so i mean wow. there's just there's so many different ways you can support us i would say the best way that you could imagine supporting us is imagining how you would support humanity because if you have something that humanity could use we probably could use it too because we don't stock a bunch of items to give to the community we release that um, everything that we have back to the community so we run out of things very quickly because we give it to the community which is in need of it um, so thanks for listening um, as I said go check out have a gay day on their social media and their website and bright blessings you can find me on the web at www.priestofinana.com. That's www.priestofinana.com. Or you can find me on my social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram, all at Priest of Inanna. Are you a soulpreneur? You've answered your unique calling by starting a spirituality-based business. Maybe now you find yourself overwhelmed. There's so much to do for your business and so many things you've never done before that you need to learn how to do. With an ever-growing to-do list, you may feel like you'll never get everything done. Decisions become complicated and you may feel like you need to work all the time. Even worse, our old friend imposter syndrome puts his head up, you struggle with your pricing, and every business coach on the planet wants to sell you a marketing system. I've been there. It's why I've created my Soulpreneur Energetic Success Program. This coaching program helps you use your human design, storytelling, ritual, and transformational coaching to build your Soulpreneur business. Discover how to make the best decisions for you, how to find the most aligned action to take, overcome imposter syndrome, confidently charge what your services are worth, and move forward with ease and grace. Visit my website, www.priestofanana.com, to schedule a free intro call.